0: If you got your bibles, you can open to Matthew chapter 5. How you guys doing tonight? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Anybody doing anything uh, fun for Memorial Day uh, yesterday, this weekend? Vacation to late. It's my it's my it's your birthday. Congratulations, girl. Well, uh <laughs> Tonight, as you can see, we got all the tables set up differently because at the end of the night, we're going to have a little fun, a little trivia night tonight. It's going to be awesome. We got some great prizes for that as well. So get ready to get your competitive spirits going. And uh, as we get started tonight, you know, as I was kind of reflecting on what to talk about this week, this is kind of a standalone week in between two series that we, uh, as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. And that would be the series, The Great Paradox, which is over Matthew chapter 5, which we're going in next week to our series called Camouflage, which is going to be on Matthew chapter 6. And we are going to have camo night one night, just so you know. So get your camo ready. And, uh, and then, and then uh, in the month of July, we're going to be in a, <coughs> excuse me, a series called Red on Matthew chapter 7. And as I was thinking about what to talk about for tonight, um, I was uh, kind of praying through it, thinking on it, and I was like, you know what, I want to talk a little bit about something that's personal, something that God's been kind of showing me, something I've been praying through, is I've been reflecting on a legacy. And so the, the title of the message tonight is called Lessons from a Legacy, and tonight's, tonight's message is going to be less sermon and more leadership Kind of talk to you, um, but I want to challenge you with something tonight of of what something I've been challenged with through the life of someone else. Now, here's the deal: when you talk about legacy, the truth is we see legacy oftentimes at a distance. We see people leaving a legacy. I think of people like Billy Graham. Who has left this incredible legacy? I mean, this this pastor who preached to thousands and thousands, millions of people, seeing so many people come to Christ. I mean, this guy has a legacy like like maybe no other person in the Christian community in the last 100 years. I think of people who leave sports legacies. I think of people like Michael Jordan, MJ. I mean, there's only one Michael Jordan. I think of the legacy that he left in basketball, setting the standard of what the greatest basketball player would be. leave legacies all the time. And sometimes, most of the time, they're often a distance when we get to see them. But sometimes we get these rare glimpses of legacy up close and personal. And the truth is, legacy is rare. In my 34 years of life, I can count on one hand, one hand, people that I know that have exemplified what legacy looks like. And the truth is, legacy happens later in your life. It is what you leave behind. But it is the decisions that you make today, it's how you live your life today that actually build into when you get to the end of your life or later in your life, a, a well done life and people look back over the steps, the days, everything that you've done throughout your life and, and the, the change that you have made in other people and the multitudes that have been impacted by that. And the person I want to talk to you about tonight, and we're going to pull this into the scripture here in a minute. The person I want to talk to you about tonight is this guy named Coach Grammar. I think I have a picture of him. We're going to put it up here on the screen. That's Coach Grammar. Now, Coach Grammar is one of the winningest uh, coaches in high school sports history. In fact, Coach Grammer uh, played football in college. When he, graduated, when he graduated college, he went off to a high school to be a math teacher, and he wanted to coach football. And so for the last 36 years, he has been, uh, he has been an assistant uh, football coach, coaching receivers and defensive backs. And uh, But when he got to the school, uh, Vestavia Hill, Hills High School in Alabama, this was 36 years ago, the school was starting a soccer program. And they asked Coach Grammer, they said, uh, um, hey, listen, we're starting a program, and we want you to be the varsity soccer coach. And he says, what, what's soccer? Did not even know what soccer was, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and you think, well, that's kind of weird. Who doesn't know what soccer is? But you got to remember, thirty six years ago, soccer wasn't what it is today. Even when I was in, even when I was in school, high school wasn't soccer wasn't that big. But if you back up thirty six years, it wasn't that big during that time frame. And so this school was starting the program, and he says, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I don't know what it is, but I'll figure it out. So Coach Grammer went, and he got some tapes, and he got some books, and he started reading on soccer, and he started watching tapes of soccer, and he started figuring the game out and after 36 years of coaching soccer coach grammer has never had a losing season 36 winning seasons in a row is that not amazing not only that but but a quarter almost a quarter almost 25% of the years that he has coached his team has made it to the state championship game he has been ranked number 1 in the nation And his winning record is six, he he has over 633 wins. Now to put that in perspective, 633 wins makes him the winningest coach in Alabama history. And it also makes him in the top 10 winningest coaches in United States history. That's amazing. Now Coach Grammer is not just an amazing coach. But Coach Grammer is an amazing man. He is an amazing man of God. He's an amazing man of character. He's one of the most humble people you will ever meet in your entire life. And this is why it's close and personal. Coach Grammer is my wife's dad. My father-in-law. So that makes it close. He's my father-in-law. And let me tell you this. Coach Grammer is an incredible husband, an incredible father to his children, an incredible father-in-law to his favorite son-in-law, me. And uh, he's not just a great coach. He's a great man, and and uh, a couple weeks ago they had this retirement party for him, and and uh, former players over the last thirty six years. Think about this: players who were seniors in high school are fifty four years old. That's how long he's been coaching. He's coaching people that are now fifty four years old. So people over the last thirty six years came back and they filled up this auditorium and, and, and poured in, and and uh, his current players all the way, and and they and they just and he's retiring, and so they got up and they begin to share all of this stuff to Coach Grammer, just talking about what he. meant to them and, 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 uh, you know, how he was so special. And one player said this, he says, coach grammar, you are more than a soccer coach for me. You were a life coach. And I thought, wow, what an impact this guy has made on multitudes of people, not just players, but coaches, parents, families, And, uh, and as I was thinking about this and, and I was look, listening to what everyone was saying there, there was this verse of scripture, this, this passage of scripture that just kind of kept swirling in my head. This just one scripture kept swirling, kept swirling, kept swirling as I thought about coach grammar. And here it is. It's in Matthew chapter five, verses 14 through 16. We'll put it up on the screen. I'll read it to you. And it's this, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. It doesn't make sense. Why would you light a lamp in your house and then cover it up with a bowl? Instead, you put it on your stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is in the Sermon on the Mount. This is in Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus is talking. And this is an interesting thing he says to the people that are listening to him. He says, you are the light of the world. As my followers, you are the light of the world. Now, notice this. He's not commanding them to be the light of the world. He's not saying, listen, it is your responsibility. You need to be the light, and you need to go out into it. He is not commanding them to be the light of the world. He is telling them that it is your identity to be the light of the world, that who you are in him as his followers automatically qualifies you as the light of the world. In other words, it is impossible for you to have a relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus, and the light of Christ not shine through you. That that this is what's happening in this scenario. This is what he's saying, and he's challenging. He says, listen, if you call yourself one of my followers, you are the light of the world right like you can you can't hide a city on the hill when you there's a big mountain and it's dark at night and all the lights are on on the mountain like you you can't hide that city like you see all the lights and, and you know that it's there like you can't hide that city because because you can't hide Christ in you this is this is who you are as the light of the world and that is coach grammer and when I think about a scripture, I, that just sums him up. Man, he is such a light to the people around him. He exemplifies, he embodies this scripture that Jesus is talking about here, this challenge that he's given us. And I was reflecting on this and I was thinking through this and I've been thinking about my own life and thinking about this in context that because I like to learn from people. I like to learn from people that are beyond me and, and, and I, and I want to learn from him. And, and as I've been thinking about this, I'm like, man, you know, I, I want to be I want to be what Jesus is talking about. I want to leave a legacy like Coach Grammer's left a legacy. I want to make an impact on multitudes of people. I want to make a difference. I want my life to be significant, if you will. And my hope for you is that you would want the same thing. My hope for you is that you would want to have a significant life, a life that changes other people, a life that when you get to the end of it, people would get up in front of maybe a crowd, or maybe just send you an email, or maybe just come and knock on your door and say, you know what? You are more than a teacher. You are more than a friend. You are more than a dad. You are more than a coach. You are more than a whatever. You were, you were a life coach. You were a light. You pointed me in the right direction. My life is Changed because of your impact and influence in my life. Like that's who I want to be. My prayer is that you would want that to be the same for your life. And as I've reflected over this, there was there's about ten lessons that I've kind of written out of Coach Grammar's life. Um, And tonight, I want to share with you four of those lessons, real quick, leadership lessons that I think will challenge you for this summer and beyond. And something that I've been mulling around with is I've just been thinking about a life well lived. Here's the first one, if you want to write it down. Here it is Every game matters. Every game matters. When uh, the assistant coach got up, and, and this guy's been assisting coaching with, uh, with uh, Coach Grammer for the last eight years, and he's about to become the head uh, soccer coach at the high school. And the assistant co- coach got up, and he says, let me just tell you about uh, Coach Grammer's competitive spirit. He said, at the beginning of the season, we were going through the roster about who was going to be starting at what positions. And we had had some key injuries for our team before the season started. And so Coach Grammer gets up, and, and, and he's like, "You know, well, well who are we going to put in this position? This guy's hurt. How, how are we going to? make this work. And, and he said, you know, as an assistant coach, I'm just sort of like, hey, coach, coach, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. He says, well, well, well what about this position? I, I, we need, it. we got to get this position right. I mean, this is an important position. We got to have the right defender here. And, and, and this guy's hurt. Who are we going to put in that position? And the assistant coach said, uh, <clears throat> Coach Kramer, listen, man, it's going to be all right. And this scenario kept playing itself out position after position. And finally, Coach Grammer said, Coach, why do you keep saying everything's going to be all right? And the assistant coach said, well, because you see, Coach, you're talking about putting the roster together for the first game of the season. We've got a lot of games that are going to be coming up this season. We'll get it figured out before the end of the season. It's not that big of a deal. It's just the first game. To which he said, Coach Grammer got this stern look on his face and looked at him and he said this. He said, every game is do or die. <laughs> now, I asked Coach Grammar, my wife's dad, I said, hey, did you say that? He says, that is not what I said. What I said is every game matters. He says, I told the assistant coach that every game matters and we coach the first game with the same intensity as we coach the state championship game. Every game matters. That is how we should approach every single game. And I think that that's reflected in his record. But this is what I know about Coach Grammer. Coach Grammer doesn't just approach uh, a sports game like that. Coach Grammer approaches life like that. If you were to ask Coach Grammer and sit him down, he would say this. Not only would he say that every game matters, he would say that every Day matters. What if we approach life as if every day mattered? That that uh, that the people that we came into contact with, our interactions, the way we serve people, uh, how we respond under pressure—that every day we approached it like it matters. That we had the opportunity to shine the light of Christ. I don't believe that that anything happens by accident. I believe that God is in control. I believe that God is good. And I believe that every day I have the opportunity to share the love of Christ, to shine the love of Christ, to serve people, to put myself last, to be humble, to to allow other people uh, to, to, to get something ahead of me so that they can see the light of Christ shining through me. We have those opportunities every single day. And this is how Coach Grammer lives his life. And he gives him so many opportunities for him to share his faith with people. Man, what if we approached every day like that? I've been re-looking at my calendar and the way that I uh, organize my day and, and my life because I want to get the most out of every day. I want to make sure that, that every day is, is full on purpose with intentionality. And I know that's how Coach Grammer lives his life. And it is, it, is, it is so important for us to realize that every day we have the opportunity to share the love of Christ, to shine the love of Christ as his light has been placed in us. And if we're looking for those opportunities, God can do amazing things. Here's the second one. Second leadership lesson I've learned from him is this. Cutting corners costs you. Cutting corners costs you. I, I, you can write this down. I'll put this in your notes. You can cut corners and win a game but you cannot cut corners and win a championship. Let me say it again. You can cut corners and win a game, but you cannot cut corners and win a championship. This guy got up at his retirement party. And he began to tell this story about uh, this Friday night game. It was a late Friday night game, and they were playing a team that was far less talented than, than their team. And, and, uh, and, uh, and so they went out, and he said, we just smashed this team. We beat them 8-1. to one. Just destroyed them, And we're all happy with ourselves that we won this game and, and all excited about it. And the end of the game, Coach Grammar walks over to the huddle that we were all in, calls us all together, huddles us up, and he says this. He says, um, with a stoic look on his face, I'll see you guys at practice at 7 o'clock in the morning. Now, this is Saturday morning. This is supposed to be day off. And this player was like, I was so mad and I was so frustrated. And I'm sitting here thinking in my head, like, like are you kidding me? Like we just won eight to one. Like we kicked their butts. What else do you want from us? He said that night, me and some of the seniors got together and we said, we're, we're going to, we're going to show him. So we, we wrote down this, uh, we wrote out like this, you know, protest that we were going to, and we all signed it. this protest to, to the practice next morning. We all showed up at the next, at the practice the next morning and, and, and coach had everybody running and he said, we ran and ran and ran. He said, we went up to coach and we said, coach. Here And they handed him the protest and he said, he opens it up and he reads it and he folds it back up and he puts it in his back in his pocket and he says, go run. <laughs> and he said, they all took off running. And, uh, and he said, he made them run and run and run and run and run. And he, they couldn't figure out. He's like, man, we won and he's got us out here running. Some of you in this room are gifted in different areas of your life. And you don't have to try to win in those areas. Some of you are academically gifted. You can make straight A's without trying. You don't have to push yourself. I was not that person. Anybody else with me? Some of you are athletically gifted. Some of you are gifted in the arts. Some of you are gifted in different areas. And the truth is, is that that we can get by sometimes just on talent alone. People coast on talent all the time. It's like we talked about last week. When you coast, it costs you. Though they had won by seven goals, they were lazy getting back on defense. They were sloppy in their passes. They made mental mistakes. When you get lazy and you win, it can give you this false sense of security that you can continue in this pattern. I wrote this in my notes. This is one of the most dangerous things that can happen to you in your life. That is to cut corners and get away with it. I remember all through high school, all through middle school, you know. And I mentioned this last week when we were talking the challenges. Of the senior, I remember cheating all through school, and I got away with it all the time, and I won. I passed the grade, I got the grade, I made it through. You can cut corners in your life. You can cut corners at times, and you can win. And that's one of the most dangerous things that can happen. Have you ever have you ever seen somebody cut corners of something and 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 they got rewarded? You know what I'm saying? And gets, it's so frustrating. Maybe, maybe some of you adult leaders you've had a, a, or maybe some of you students working at a job and, and you've seen someone in that job, uh, you know, cut corners in certain ways and then they get praised for something they did, but you've been working so hard and you've been doing things the right way. Maybe they got the promotion and you didn't get the promotion. Maybe they got the raise and you didn't get the raise. And, and they were cutting corners the whole time. Or, or maybe you stayed up all night long studying for that test to make the grade and you were doing things the right way and then that other kid in your class who you know did nothing to study but cheated all the way through the test and he got a better grade than you. You know what I'm saying? Oh man, that makes me so mad. <sighs> You hear people say things all the time like, why, 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 why do good things happen to bad people? You ever heard anybody say that before? Maybe you've said that. You're like, man, that's my question, right? Like, why do good things? Listen, listen. You need to hear this. Justice delayed is not justice denied. Justice delayed is not justice denied. You've heard the old adage, what goes around comes around. See, here's the deal. You can cheat. You can cut corners and you can win the game. But let me tell you something. You can't cut corners and win the championship. You can cut corners and win the grade, but you can't cut corners and win in life. Eventually, it's going to catch up with you. Eventually, it's going to take you out. And that's what I love about Coach Grammar. Coach Grammar never cuts corners. He never cuts corners. He always does things the right way the first time, even when no one else is looking. And so even though his players had won by seven goals, he knew that they were playing sloppy because they took it easy. And he knew that even though they won that game, if they continued in that pattern, they would not win the championship. And he knew that there was a greater lesson to be learned here that he didn't want them to overlook because it's not just about the game of soccer, it's about the game of life. And if he let them slide now, what other things would they slide on in the future? He cared more about their character than he cared about them winning the game. And I love that about him. And I think that when you cut corners, you lose credibility. And it is so hard for you to be the light of Christ. It is so hard for you to shine your light into other people and for other people to see Christ in you if you don't have credibility with them. Credibility is so important and you can't have that cutting corners. The third is this. The third lesson is this. You have to want more for people than from them. You have to want more for people than from them. There was a guy uh, who got up to speak, and 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 you know, at this retirement, you know, his retirement thing. One of his former players, and he said, um, and he said that uh, there was this massive tornado that had come through their neighborhood, and, and uh, through Alabama, it came through their neighborhood, and it knocked over eight trees in his yard: two on his house, one on his garage, uh, eight trees all over his, y- you know, trees all over his yard. And then there were trees that had fell across the road leading into his neighborhood, so they couldn't get out of the neighborhood. So. That next day at school, um, after uh, they had practice after school, and at practice, um, coach said, "Where is this player's name? I can't remember his name. We're we'll just calling Bobby." He says, "Where's Bobby at?" And Bobby's and uh, one of his friends said, "Oh, Bobby couldn't get out of his neighborhood. That tornado hit his neighborhood bad. He's got some trees on his house. He's got some trees down his road, and all that kind of stuff." And so this guy's up here telling the story, and he said, "You know, um, he said, uh, he said, uh, we're we're sitting there, my dad, myself, my brother, and uh, and and we're we're like." getting limbs out of our yard. My dad's got the chainsaw running. And we're cutting up limbs, all this kind of stuff. And after practice, he said, uh, it was in, late in the afternoon, uh, after practice, he said, they look down the street and here comes Coach Grammar in his rickety old truck. And he gets out, he reaches in the back, picks out a chainsaw, and goes up and helps them cut the trees off their houses and helps them clean up their yard that night. And then this guy said this. He says, not one of my friends, not one of my family's friends, not one person in our family, not one person, not one other person on our team, not one person in our life came and helped us. Coach Grammar was the only one. Listen, you either care for people or you don't. But you cannot fake caring for people. You love people or you don't, you can't fake it. And what I found is when you get into the life of someone who has a relationship with Christ, they just love people. It is what drew people to Jesus. Jesus genuinely cared about people. I want you to read through scripture and see every time that someone is attacked around Jesus, the woman called in adultery, the woman at the well, The woman, uh, uh, Mary and Martha, when, when when Mary goes to wash his, wash his feet. I mean, g- look at all of these different stories. Jesus always steps in and the situations. Jesus always steps in for the person who is being attacked. You can't hide the care for people that Jesus had. And the same was true with coach grammar. And listen, I think this is one of the greatest things. If you want to be a light to other people, you have to care for people. You have to love other people. You you sacrifice not because God commands you to sacrifice. You sacrifice because you desire to, because it's who you are as a person, because of Christ living in you. It's who you are. It's identity. It's not a command. You have to want more for people than from people. It is what the end of that passage says in verse 16. So that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. The fourth one and final one is this. Have a pursuit of God that dwarfs all other pursuits. Have a pursuit of God that dwarfs all other pursuits. I say it this way because one of uh, Coach Grammer's favorite books is The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. It's one of my favorite books too. If you've never read it before, you should read it. If you want a copy of it, I will buy you a copy of it because it's that good. And he told me, he said, I read this book almost every year. It's in my yearly uh, rhythms of reading. He reads this book almost every year, The Pursuit of God. But Coach Grammer is a man of God. He spends time with God. He's committed to church and serving in his church. He gives sacrificially to his church and to the work of, of Christ. In fact, he just he's, he's retiring. And I said, hey, what are you going to do with all this time on your hands? And he said, I'm, i had lunch with him uh, the, uh, the day after this retirement part. I said, What are you going to do all this time on your hands? Just me and him. He says, Well, I'm going to go teach at the high school in the mornings, uh, teach math because I need some extra help. I'm going to teach math in the mornings. And then. And then in the afternoons, I think I'm going to go um, spend my afternoons at, uh, at some homeless shelters uh, serving. And so I'm between three homeless shelters right now trying to figure out. This guy wants to spend his retirement serving people, loving people, caring for people. That is who this man is. He loves God. And he radiates Christ. I watched as his son Jason, my, my wife's brother, got up to share as a former player and a son about his dad. And he got emotional. And really the whole thing that he was saying about his dad was this, I have learned how to be a follower of Christ because of your leadership in my life. And what's amazing about it is, well, let me say this. My wife even tells her favorite, her favorite story of her dad coaching. She said that when I was six or seven years old, uh, we were out on the football, I was out on the football field. The, The football team was practicing. My dad was out there coaching and one of the players had had done something that made one of the coaches mad and the coach went over and he grabbed him up uh, you know not my wife's dad but another coach grabbed up this player and started cursing him out and you know yelling at him in his face and um, and 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 my wife had never heard anybody talk like that because she had never seen her dad talk like that and and uh, and and she was she was scared she's six seven year old little girl just right here beside this conversation she had never heard those words like that and uh, and she said that her dad was over there coaching his players and he saw this scene play out and he saw his daughter six, seven-year-old daughter over here, and he could tell she was afraid and, and, and upset by what had happened. And so she said, he walked over to me and he kneeled down and he said, hey, baby, I want you to know that you will never hear those words come out of my mouth. And you'll never hear me talk to anyone that way. That's not who I am. And I'm sorry that you had to hear that. And she said, immediately, this calm came over me and she said, that my dad kept his promise. Coach Grammer is my wife's hero. She looks up to him so much and so does his other kids. My wife has a sister and a brother, the three of them. All three of them serve in their church, are committed to Christ. All three of them made it to their wedding night pure. All three of them are amazing men and women of God. And that isn't because Coach Grammer is great. That is because Jesus is great but he was a dad who decided to model Christ in their home and they caught that. And let me tell you, I am reaping the benefits. I am reaping the benefits of his investment in the life of his daughter. I get to watch my wife parent and lead our little girl. I get to watch my my wife in our home. I get to watch my wife as she mentors some of you. I get to watch my wife in that. And it is from his leadership that has been passed down. I've been able to reap the benefits of that. So here's the question what about you? You know that the decisions that you are making are building your legacy. You don't just get to the end of your life and people say, oh, you made it. No, no. It's the day-to-day decisions. It is grabbing the chainsaw when someone else is in need. He, no one would have ever known that that story existed. And I guarantee you there are hundreds of stories about him just like that. This guy just got up and shared it. Because it's the type of person that he is. You can't fake that. Last week, I challenged the seniors. The seniors. This week I'm challenging you underclassmen. What legacy are you going to lead here at age 12? What are you going to leave here at age 12? Some of you are going into your senior year. Some of you got a few years before you're going to get there. But what legacy do you want to lead to the people behind you? Because my wife's dad left that legacy to many people behind him. I do this Strategically. And I'm sure some of you thought about it. At the end of the service last week, we brought all the seniors up to the front and they lined up at the front. And then I say, hey, I want you students out there to tell these seniors what they meant to you. Tell them how they influenced you, how they impacted you. I don't know if you noticed, but about half of them had something said about them and about half of them didn't. And I don't know if you noticed, but many of the same people got mentioned over and over and over and over and over and over over again. And you know what I'm thinking as I'm standing up here? They must feel great. You know what I'm also thinking? The others must feel like crap. But that's intentional. Because one day you're going to be standing up here and you're going to be in front of your peers. What are they going to say about you? Will they say anything? If you influence and make a difference, if you make a decision that you want to leave a legacy, if you make a decision that you want to do something with your life, that you want to, you want to change, that you want to lead, that you want to, that you want to be an agent of transformation, that you want to let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, I promise you. I promise you. In fact, I'll tell you this. Before last week happened, I could have taken a list of the seniors and circled every one of them on that list who would have had positive things said about them last week because I know them. And I could do the same for the juniors that are in this room right now and for the sophomores and for the freshmen. We know who the influencers are because we see the impact on the people around you. So I hope that this message tonight is a challenge to you To say, this is the type of person I want to be. This is who I want to become. And as I challenged you with last week, don't coast. Don't coast. Finish strong. Let's make it through this summer together. Let's commit to being here every week this summer. I promise that you're going to be challenged this summer. We've got some incredibly fun, amazing things this summer. One night this summer, we're going to be bringing in food trucks. I mean, who doesn't like food trucks? One night this summer, you know, we're going to have our red out like we had last year for right before camp, and it's going to be crazy. And we've got some crazy stuff planned for that. We've got Kona Ice coming back this summer. I think, uh, I think uh, uh, in two weeks, we've got root beer floats and something else that night. Who doesn't like root beer floats? And uh, we have so many things going on this summer. They're just going to be awesome. We're going to have some fun together. But listen, we're going to drive deep some things this summer, too, that I think are going to be a catalyst in your heart and in your life for where we want God to take you and move you through the next season of your life. And I want you to stick with us. I want you to commit to growing that. So, God, I just want to lift up these students tonight. I pray that you would, as Coach Grammar's life has been challenging me, God, that it would challenge them. Lord, I pray that that these students would, man, what if they just took every day and they said, you know, today is my game day. God has given me this day and I'm gonna use it for his glory. I'm gonna let my light shine. What What if I wanted more? For people than from people. What if I started living my life that way? What if I what if I stopped cutting corners because I know that cutting corners can cost me. And to be honest with you, I'm talented. I can cut corners and I can get away with it. But what if I stopped cutting corners? I started redeeming that. and I started living with intentionality. And what if I made, what if I made my pursuit of God a priority? And what could God do in my life? Lord, I thank you for those that have went before us, that have left a legacy. God, even as we look in your word, we see men of God and women of God who we can look at their lives and use them as a mentor for our lives. So God, challenge us, change us. And may tonight be amazing. May we have tons of fun. In this trivia night we're about to have, Lord, I pray that no one gets injured, (laughs) that no one gets too angry, and uh, God, that uh, whatever team I'm on wins. Amen.